Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is a very special day because we have our first retailer premiering on the Produce Industry Podcast. That's right. September 28th, 2020, we have Grocery Outlet on the line today. And I am really excited because, like I said, this is the first retailer that has jumped on board the Produce Industry Podcast. And I see a lot more in the future days. But let's focus on today's interview with Grocery Outlet. We have the VP of Produce, Matt Reeves. Now, Matt is an experienced founder and executive leader with diverse skill sets in all areas of business and retail. He's got decades of experience in leadership, operations, sales, supply chain, new item development, strategy, innovation, and more. I mean, this is a guy I want to be around. Think about it. All the things I love, leadership, strategy, marketing. I love it. You know what? Matt also strongly believes that people are the heart and soul of any successful organization. Matt and I are going to talk about some of those people within the organization, as well as Grocery Outlet's unique buying style, how they've been coping with this COVID pandemic, some new stores that they're going to be opening during 2020. That's right. Grocery Outlet is still expanding during this global pandemic. So without further ado, let's get Matt Reeves on the line and talk a little bit more about Grocery Outlet. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Good to be here. Hey, no, when we got this interview set up, I was pretty excited. Listen, you guys are our first official retail interview, and I'm pretty proud of that to have you guys on the Produce Industry Podcast. So again, Matt, really appreciate you being here and representing Grocery Outlet, especially during this crazy time, right? I mean, for the last four months, we've been locked down, hunkered down, doing things we don't normally do within the produce and supply chain industry. Heck, even in our regular lives, right? So again, appreciate you coming on. And really, I want to talk about Grocery Outlet today and really go through what's been happening during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, give a little bit of overview on how you guys are adjusting. But before that, uh, we were linked up uh, really from a few colleagues within the industry, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, but how are things going for you personally right now? I and mean, how are things in the life uh, of Matt Reeves, uh, you know, from, from Grocery Outlet? Uh, well, we're proud to be here as well, Patrick. Um, happy to be your first retailer. Uh, we're doing some great things at Grocery Outlet, and things are certainly crazy throughout our industry. Um, not to mention throughout our personal lives, I'm sure I'm trying to deal with it as well. You know, I have two great kids in Texas uh, and working here in California in the Bay Area. So things are crazy. Um, certainly feels like there's some silver linings to it in some regards as far as uh, being able to meet with folks on almost any time zone now a lot easier. We're getting in touch with a lot more folks in some regards than we've been able to in the past. So uh, despite all the challenges, we're we're certainly working through it and continuing to try to sell more produce to more people. 
you know, I was going to say it, it has been easier to communicate with different time zones during this uh, pandemic because it seems like a lot more people are open, right? They're open to, you know, getting up early, staying up late, and really, I would say, conforming to other people's schedules because it, it really is kind of an unknown right now. And, you know, back in March when this pandemic hit us, I mean, our produce and supply chain industry took a huge, huge hit. I mean, from the retail standpoint, all the way to the food service standpoint, everybody says one person was doing great, one person wasn't, but everybody was having a, a change within their supply chain, right? So, you know, a grocery outlet, you know, during COVID-19, were there things that you guys had to adapt and adjust to right away? Or did you guys have plans in place that, you know, if there was going to be curbside pickups and home deliveries and all these things happening, was there a plan in place or, or anything behind the doors that, you know, could help out during this time? I think it's safe to say nobody uh, could have planned or foreseen this coming, uh, us included. But to that note, you know, our, our model is pretty unique in the way we buy and we really focus on opportunistic buys throughout all the departments, but produce included. And so when COVID did hit, it opened up uh, a lot of opportunities for us to, you know, try to help some food service suppliers out. Um, we were able to get some product from them that they weren't able to, to get out to the food service sector as, as it was obviously one of the hardest hit early on. Uh, and furthermore, we really focus on, I guess, probably, you know, having been in the produce industry for a couple of decades now, I remember with other retailers where specs are so important and everything has to be this, you know, perfect piece of fruit or veg. And with us at Grocery Outlet, spec is much less important. So we certainly want it to be quality product. It's got to hold. It's got to be good for the customer. But, um, you know, if it's got a couple of aesthetic issues, if it's not quite the right size, whether that's too large or too small, uh, you know, certainly food service plays into that role where they're able to deal with the, the quote unquote ugly fruit a little bit better. Um, and so we're able to pivot and move and not only help the suppliers, but, you know, help pass those savings on to our customers and ideally continue to get as much fresh and uh, healthy food into as many baskets as possible. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the goal is to, you know, have people eat more fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, you said it before I was able to respond, but the ugly fruits, right? The ugly, ugly fruits. Listen, that's okay. Cause people, you know, people really don't understand um, that ugly fruits are still good fruits, right? I mean, I'm in the citrus industry and I always say, yes, I mean, a fancy piece of fruit that has no blemishes, right? It doesn't have a scar too. Um, yeah, it looks great on the outside, but it's probably going to be the same on the inside, right? Pretty close to it, right, Matt? So um, it's always funny because it's okay to have that. And like you said, the food service to, uh, sector uh, takes a lot of that because what are they doing with it? They're processing it right away. They're cutting that up. They're putting it in, you know, if it's a margarita or if it's in a dish, you know, if for some fish or anything like that, they're, cut, they're cutting that thing up right away. So they're not really, you know, that worried about it. So good point there. And, you know, that's also good because I would say you're helping probably eliminate food waste. I mean, how many conversations do you probably have with some of your vendors out there that you're talking about maybe taking a choice product or a number two, and that's helping them not have to send that out to a different sector of the industry. Am I right? I mean, I know you probably have conversations in that sector. No, you're absolutely right. We, we really, uh, the produce team here at Grocery Outlet really tries to focus on kind of making it a win-win for everyone. And so 
uh, to your point, whether that's helping the grower or you know shipper, farmer, whatever it is, uh, to move some product that whether it was going to be waste or go to the freezers or wherever that product might be going, if we can get it out there fresh, then we're certainly helping win there. And then furthermore, you know, with 350 plus stores kind of spread throughout a number of different socioeconomic areas, we're able to get that fruit and veg out at a price that, you know, pretty much anyone can afford. And so it's a win-win not only for the growers and the shippers, but also for the neighborhoods that we serve and and trying to, you know, continue to to get as much healthy food as we can. Yeah, for sure. I I totally, totally agree. And, And that ties into, you were talking about it a little bit earlier and I know we kind of talked about it off the mic, but you guys do have a unique business model, even really how you guys purchase produce, how you guys work with your partners. Um, you carry a lot of different items. I know I've been into some grocery outlets. You guys carry a huge eight pound bag of navel oranges during the winter time. I know it. You probably know it as well, but there are different items that are unique um, to different club stores. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, kind of how that, you know, your unique business model fits into, you know, your grower, packer, shipper network and how you source products. Yeah, it it kind of goes into exactly what we were just talking about where, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to make sure that we can provide, you know, the, the, especially now with COVID and everyone a little bit more anxious about, how much time they're spending outside and how many trips they're taking to, to shop or do anything really. Um, so we want to be able to provide everything that a customer might be looking for in kind of that one stop, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we try to control our inventory to a tight level so that we can be very opportunistic and willing to pivot as necessary as a grower reaches out to us or as we see trends coming and we're able to stay ahead of, you know, whether it's a, a geographical change in seasonal um, fruits or if it's just an overall flush we're starting to see coming, you know, we want to make sure that we're able to, like I mentioned, help not only uh, our customers by getting them as much product as we can at a low price, but also to help the growers move it as quickly as possible. And so uh, the volume, you know, certainly helps. And as we continue to grow and it, expand um, not only in the new trade areas, but with infill and whatnot, uh, it allows us the opportunity to just move that much more and to continue to get uh, as much product from the fields as possible. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's, and, and you know what, that it is unique. And like I said, it does, it fits right back into what you were talking about because there's probably some unique products that you're putting in the produce section that maybe some of the other people don't because of how you work and how you kind of determine that understanding with your grower, right? What you buy and how you market that. It's a true relationship, right? And we talked about that um, a little bit beforehand. It's like everything is a relationship within this industry, right? I mean, people, growers are people that are growing the, uh, the produce, right? Years before but years before it's able to be produced. So if you look at that factor, it's like these relationships go beyond, go beyond all of this. So uh, speaking of the grower vendor side though, during COVID-19, I've seen a lot of DTC models that have been happening, um, these direct to consumers, which is really the platform of, um, I would say a delivery company or a, uh, you know, a curbside pickup has grocery outlets, you know, really gone to that nature yet? Have you guys gone to attracting new customers and customer retention in that curbside slash uh, home delivery? Yeah, well, we're not currently in the online retail market. 
uh, we're continuing to focus on opening new stores and driving comp sales growth in that way um, through kind of the historical treasure hunt experience that we provide. Uh, that said, you know, our marketing team has done a fantastic job of continuing to try to focus on you know, what stores are, are able to, to carry or move different items, um, how we can target those customers in, in a specific manner as far as helping find the things that they're looking for. And so we can kind of tailor to the neighborhoods in that way. And, you know, the, the special thing for us, you know, the, the final win, if you will, you know, I talked about trying to serve the neighborhoods with, with good price, good prices on product, um, as well as helping the farmers. But, you know, each of our stores is independently owned and operated as well. And so we really rely as much on those operators uh, to, to know their business, to know their neighborhood, and to let us know, hey, we need more of this, or we want to see some more of this, this type of item or that type of item. Because, you know, an, an inner urban city store is going to be very different than a rural store, uh, not only in what they carry and, you know, but what the customers want. And so we really try to focus on going after our customers with a more personal touch that way. Uh, certainly online has been a huge boom uh, with this whole COVID pandemic going through. And, and as I mentioned earlier, folks not wanting to get outside of their house, but we still believe that that customers want that treasure hunt experience and they do still want to get out and shop sometimes. And when they do, we want to make sure that we're able to cater to them in that way. Oh, I love it. I love the the treasure hunt experience too. And you guys got a couple of cool labels in, in the produce uh, and supply chain industry in your store as well. And you know what? It, it's pretty crazy because, you know, everybody's trying to be unique in this, uh, this COVID pandemic. And you said it, you, you're trying to really set up, setting up new stores and providing that customer experience still in the store while being safe, right? I mean, that, that's the goal here is keeping our customers safe and then getting the right fruits and vegetables that they need. So let, let's, let's take a quick break. This is a perfect time to hear from our partners here at the Produce Industry Podcast. Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. 
We call that 360 degree decision making day after day. Visit www.ag.tools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from our partners, but let's get back with Matt Reeves at Grocery Outlet. Matt, welcome back. Thanks, Patrick. Still good to be here. (laughs) Hey, always, right? I mean, I know I kept you on on the line for a second, but we had to hear from our awesome partners here at the podcast. So we appreciate them, but let's get back into it. I know before we were talking about the direct-to-consumer models and listen, everybody has a strategy and I appreciate your strategy. You got over 350 stores and you guys are expanding in 2020 through this pandemic. So one, we give a huge congratulations out to you for doing that and keeping everybody safe while providing that customer experience in your stores. So I really wanna talk about though that this cause and effect because I was talking with Ross Nelson. Um, he is a VP of procurement, kind of a director of procurement as well. Uh, worked for Lucky's, worked for a couple other companies, uh, large retailers um, before the, uh, the pandemic hit. And we were talking about this you know, cause and effect of produce buyers aren't really buying as much anymore. They're kind of keeping it as a just-in-time inventory. Retail stores are not keeping heavy items stocked. They're keeping close, close relationships and communication, conversation with their suppliers to make sure they have exactly what is needed to fit their shelves and have the freshest produce on the shelves. Can you talk a little bit about that with Grocery Outlet and kind of what you're doing, Matt? Yeah, Patrick, we're we're doing much of the same. Um, you know, I continue to hear the word, and I almost uh, sh- shudder to use it. But this is an unprecedented time, and we're constantly seeing you know shifts in trends almost on a weekly basis as far as what customers are buying. Um, you know, in the past, customers would come into the into the store maybe two or three times a week to get what they need, and they they would get their fresh products and almost you know use us. To, to keep that storage there. And so to your point, as we're starting to see, you know, customers coming in only once or twice a week now, or maybe even once every couple of weeks, you really have to shift on maintaining that freshness and what we're doing there. And so, uh, you know, the flip side of that is everybody's affected by this. And you mentioned it earlier, and I hear you mention it on your podcasts over and over, but this truly is a relationship business. And in order for us to kind of help everyone as much as we can, we have to remember that those growers are out there and their packing sheds are socially distanced too. You know, their capacity is down. Um, so the sheds aren't as full as they used to be. Uh, you know, food service is still struggling. So there's still a, a major issue there as far as folks who used to be 100% food service and have all these different pack sizes that don't quite fit retail. And so I think everybody's kind of trying to figure out that adjustment um, and at the same time be prepared, you know, for what's coming three months down the road when we're going to be at Thanksgiving and what is that going to look like and feel like. And so there's, there's just a lot of trepidation out there, I think, across all layers of the industry. But as I mentioned earlier, not just from a Zoom perspective and our perspective of being able to communicate, but um, ironically, I feel like, you know, we haven't had a trade show since probably January or February that I can remember. and it still feels like the industry is probably closer than ever, um, you know, trying to work together between 
these box programs that the government's working on and what's going on in, in just the packing lines and the labor components. And so there's just a lot of variables out there that, you know, us folks in the produce industry have always faced. Um, but I think everybody's got that kind of trepidation right now. And so we're all trying to work together to make sure that we, we do have the freshest product and that we're able to take advantage of attracting as many new produce customers, period, uh, to the industry right now that we can. Yeah, and, and we, I spoke about this with uh, Megan McKenna at the National Watermelon Board. Uh, but listen, it's like there's a National Watermelon Day, right? There, there's a National Asparagus Day, avocado. You can go on and on, right, Matt? But yeah. realistically, every day is a watermelon day. Every day is an asparagus day, an avocado day, an onion day. You just have to fit it into your life. And that's the goal here, right? For everybody. I mean, we're in the produce industry. Um, so we've got a heart for, right, eating produce. And I say that all the time. Um, my kids had a, their online virtual learning today and my daughter had to bring something that started with an A. What do you think she grabbed? An apple, right? <laughs> an apple. And it was interesting because the teacher was like, well, I couldn't find anything. And, you know, and she found something. She found an angel, but it's so interesting of how many kids had an apple versus something else, right? Like we always have produce in our house. And when I mean produce, we have apples, we have mini watermelons, we have asparagus, we have carrots. I mean, I mean, the list could go on and on of what we have in our house, but you know, we're, we are produce people. And this goes back to what you were saying is those, those consumers that go to the store three times a week, right? That was me. That was me before this pandemic hit. I mean, I moved down to Tampa about, uh, I would say a year and a half ago and we were like, hey, let's just start shopping, get everything fresh. We'll, you know, we'll stop keeping those inventories in the, in the freezer. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody knows. Don't say you don't do it, right? You got the extra inventory in there. And then this pandemic hit and we started going to the Instacarts and we were like, well, we don't want to take all the kids into the store. We don't want to wear the masks. We don't want to do all this stuff. So we started doing Instacart. And here's the funny thing, Matt, ready, is we don't do the Instacart anymore for our fresh fruits and vegetables. We do it for everything else. And then we still go into the store and go get our fresh fruits and vegetables. I don't know if maybe it's just, is it just me because I'm in produce? I got to go pick my own produce. I mean, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I, I agree with you. I, uh, yeah, my idea of a ripe avocado is probably different than your idea and certainly different than, uh, you know, the customers out there who aren't in the industry and, maybe judged strictly by color. And so I think produce and meat for that matter, I think everything fresh has always kind of got a little bit more of a personal touch to it. And, you know, no matter how successful online gets, I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of folks because I'm right there with you. Um, I was also the in the store three, four times a week, um, not just, you know, for shopping, but obviously kind of looking at the stores as well. But at the same time, you know, it was, hey, I just buy a couple of things to get me through. And then the next time I needed to go to the store, I would. And so times are different, but I agree with you. I think that there's still always going to be that personal factor of what that produce looks like to you and helping you select or deselect for that matter, uh, what you're going to take home to feed your family. hundred percent, hundred percent. And and then it's like, too, if you think about it, how many people are touching the fruit or the veggies, right? Everybody. And then when you order the Instacart, it's like how many extra hands are on the supply chain? Am I, am I right? I mean, you, you're getting extras. And to me, it's like, 
oh man, is there, like you said, there's nothing like going in and your avocado versus my avocado, even a tomato, every, everything, we all have a preference, right? It's not plastic. This isn't macaroni, right? It's not the spaghetti, you know, the sauce. It, I mean, it's got a personal feel to it. And maybe that's why we feel that way, Matt, right? We feel like it's almost like our babies. Like it's a personal touch when, when, we're, when we're in the produce industry. Um, but that does lead me um, to one other thing. Cause I, again, I was talking with Ross Nelson a couple episodes ago and we were talking about co-merchandising uh, from, you know, the produce department to the other departments. How has that been? Because not having as much foot traffic as you would before, a lot of times that's when you get your impulse buys. That's when you can tie in um, other sections of your or departments in your store to say, Hey, we've got a special or buy on this. How has that been during the pandemic? I'm curious to know. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think as as retailers, we're always looking to put just one more item in the basket. And to your point, it doesn't always matter if it's produce. Obviously, we're a little biased. I always want one more produce item in there. But uh, at the same time, you know, anything we can get in the basket that can help with a, a meal solution or to help the customer, you know, oh, I didn't think that I needed whipped cream to go with the strawberries or the angel food cake to go with strawberries or whatever it is. And so, uh, you know, we're constantly looking for that as well. Um, one of the the things about a lot of our stores is we're a little bit smaller footprint. So space is always at a premium. Not that any retailer won't tell you the same thing, no matter how big their box is. But uh, because of that, you know, we're constantly trying to catch the customer as soon as they come in with those treasure hunt type items, whether that's in produce or any other department, and then trying to tie, you know, whatever we can in from across merchandising style uh, accordingly. So certainly that's always at the back of our operators' minds. Um, you know, they own the merchandising in our stores. And so we're trying to help them with ideas to, to just be the best merchants that they can and find ways to, again, communicate with their customers because they know them better than, than anyone. Well, hundred percent. Yeah. They're in the demographics. They're in that region, right? They're going to know. And you mentioned, so over 350 stores, and maybe you can answer this question. Maybe you can't. Um, you mentioned that a lot of them are um, independently owned. Are all the grocery outlets independently owned or are there corporate stores as well? There are, we were at five, I believe. We had two corporate stores still left in California and three on the East Coast. And, you know, but our, our goal is to get uh, independently operated stores. We'll Currently, we have a, a couple, like I said, in the California Bay Area that, that we can use for testing of different fixtures and things like that, which helps, you know, obviously everyone in the long run. Um, but our goal as an organization is, is really to help do that independent operator model in the best way that we can, because exactly what you just said, you know, the operators live I mean, literally live near the store. They're in the demographic. They're in the area. They're parts of the community. They're on Facebook. They're doing their own personal advertising for that store. Uh, and then they're able to tell us, hey, this is what we need. This is what we need more of. This is what we need less of. Um, and so it's just a, it's a very unique model in being able to provide them with that uh, support so that they can not only serve their communities, but, you know, own a, a lucrative business for themselves as well. Yeah, and it's like it's like being in a co-op, but a, you know a whole different type because they you know obviously they're the owners, but they've got the support from Grocery Outlet. Um, they got the uh, entire backing, the mer the, the marketing, the marketing, the marketing, 
Um, so I, I think that's great. I mean, I think that obviously when you get to a size where you're growing, because obviously 350 stores to, to manage for any company, right? 350 locations would be uh, huge operations, right? But I think that's very cool that, you're, that, that that's how you guys are aligned and that you're building both stores. So if there are independently owned stores, that's awesome. Are there corporate stores? That's awesome. And you're helping the community build. So let me ask you this now. So we talk about building. What's on the horizon for Grocery Owl? I mean, through 2020, we're going into the fourth quarter here. I mean, 2020 is, uh, <laughs> some people call it a wash. Some people call it the best it's ever been, right? Depending on which side of the supply chain you're on. But what, what's on the horizon? I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, it's just to continue to expand, uh, you know, new stores and continue to expand the model. Um, I, I truly hope that it doesn't happen, but with everything going on with COVID from an economic standpoint, you know, who knows what's going to come. And I think customers are going to continue to be more and more pressed for value and more and more pressed for that treasure hunt. And, you know, hopefully we have a cure to this COVID thing sooner than later and we can get back to normal. Um, but either way, you know, we want to help provide as much value for our customers as possible. And so the horizon really is that to continue to expand our footprint where we can and, you know, continue to, to provide great value and great deals for customers. That's awesome, Matt. I appreciate it. Well, listen, I want to thank you for coming on the Purpose Industry Podcast today, being our first retailer. Again, thank you, Grocery Outlet and Matt Reeves for being here. And again, we 100% welcome you back anytime, any day of the week, Matt. Thanks a lot, Patrick. I love to come back. Let me know when. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.